know, I'm still getting back into the swing of things after my sabbatical. And one of the things that Ryan asked me when I got back was, what, he said, Mom, what impacted you the most during your sabbatical? Now, for those of you who don't know, the church sent me on a three-month sabbatical, and I did some traveling also. I wasn't allowed to come to church because they wanted me to have, the leadership wanted me to have a total break from ministry and you know, just being involved here. So, and what that did is it forced me to change my focus from, from here and also traveling internationally. I went to Portugal for the Portuguese in the room. As I said last week, you have a beautiful country. Um, and so, but it also just took my focus off. You know, it's so easy when you're in a small town like this to just um, get trapped in your own little world. So, you know, it's, and it's not a bad thing because we're all busy. And, you know, for us here at the church, we have to be very focused on what we're doing. So, you know, but you, you can get so trapped in your own little world, as it were. And what it forced me to do was to just look out there, you know, <laughs> look out there into the rest of the world. And, and I realized that there's some people in the world that have never even heard of what bank. Can you believe it? And actually... There's some people out there that have never even heard of South Africa. Can you believe that? So, and, and when, you, when, when I was just thinking about that and thinking, Lord, you know, when I see the whole world, I was on the beaches in the Algarve and there were thousands of people. And, you know, I thought, Lord, it, it, it seems so small, actually. What we are doing in this little church, actually, in, in this little town. But then I heard the Lord say to me, just because it seems so small in relation to the rest of the world, does it make it any less important? And it doesn't, church. Definitely not. It, make, it, it doesn't lose its importance. And that is what I realized that, we, you know, what we do here matters. Won't you say that to the person next to you? What you do here matters. And I also realized that we have a huge job to do. The harvest is plentiful, as Jesus said. The, the world is very godless. It's got more godless. I don't know if you've noticed. And so we have a huge job to do. And Jesus said that when he was on the earth. He said the, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And let me tell you, it's still like that today. And, you know, I had a lot of fun. I really had a lot of fun. But even in the fun, I, I was just thinking, Lord, I don't have regrets. We have paid a price to serve in this church all the years and to do what we do. You know, there's a price to pay. On Sundays, we're not on the beach. It was nice to be on the beach on a Sunday, but on, the su on Sundays, and it's good to have those times. I'm not saying we must never have those times. But, you know, I, I was sitting there thinking, well, I don't have regrets because if I spend every Sunday on the beach, nice, but what am I, what am I fulfilling? You know, what, what am I achieving for the kingdom of God? I would rather be in church on Sunday <laughs> and serving God and impacting people's lives because then your life has purpose. Then your life, then you are fulfilling God's destiny for you. And so that is the very thing I'm talking into today, that God has a plan for you and I. We are not here by accident. We are chosen on purpose for a purpose. Won't you say that to the person next to you? You are chosen on purpose for a purpose. I hope it's convincing some of you. 
Um, so let me kick off with a story in the book of uh, Matthew today, because this is what God spoke to me with, uh, about on the sabbatical. So Matthew 21 from verses 1 to 11, this whole little story, and it says, as Jesus and the disciples approached Jerusalem, they came to the town of Bethphage on the Mount of Olives. Jesus sent two of them ahead, go to the village over there, he said. As soon as you enter it, you will see a donkey tied there with its colt beside it. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone asks you, what are you doing? Just say the Lord needs them and he will immediately let you take them. This took place to fulfill the prophecy that said, tell the people of Israel, look, your king is coming to you. He's humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. The two disciples did it as Jesus commanded. They brought the donkey and the colt to him and threw their garments over the colt and he sat on it. Most of the crowd spread their garments on the road ahead of him and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Jesus was in the center of the procession and the people all around him were shouting, praise God for the son of David, blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Praise God in highest heaven. The entire city of Jerusalem was in an uproar as he entered. Who is this, they asked. And the crowds replied, it's Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. <clears throat> and you know, I've read the story of this Palm Sunday story. I'm, I'm sure many of you have read it many, many times. I've been saved for over 40 years now. So I have been through over 40 years of Easter's. I've read this story so many times. But when I was on my sabbatical, I felt the Lord tell me as I was reading the story to look at the donkey. Yes, church, today we are going to take a deep look into the life of that little donkey. And I really cannot actually believe when I went into this that I missed that part of the story all the years of my Christian life. Actually, there were two donkeys in the story. There was the older mommy donkey and her colt that Jesus told these two disciples to bring to him on that, on that Palm Sunday. But for the message today, I'm going to concentrate more on the little colt. I will mention the mommy colt a bit later. And, you know, it's quite um, interesting because last week, Ryan spoke about the Christian monkey that was trapped because he couldn't let go of his stuff. And he encouraged us not to be like that Christian monkey. But today, as we look at the Christian donkey, I'm going to encourage you to be more like him. <laughs> so church, what is the significance of this donkey and how can this story impact our lives? Well, let's see. You know, I can just imagine, let's imagine those two little donkeys that day. You know, the, the cult, they were just having an ordinary day, like any other day. Minding their own business and, you know, that little one, he was just minding his own business too and not knowing that in a few moments when those two disciples arrived, that something in his life was about to change. Not realizing that God had a unique plan, something actually extraordinary in store for that little donkey. His moment was about to come, church. The reason why that little donkey had been born was about to manifest because he was chosen by God for a specific purpose. Let's go back to Matthew 21, verses 2 to 3. Jesus says, go into the village over there, he said. 
As soon as you enter it, you will see a donkey tied there with its cart beside, beside it. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone asks you, what are you doing? Just say the Lord needs them. Look at what God's saying. And he will immediately let you take them. So let's take a closer look at just who God chose here, church. He chose donkeys. You know, a donkey is not the most luxurious, prestigious choice. I mean, think about it. They're not very attractive, and they make strange sounds. I mean, hee-haw, hee-haw. <laughs> not a choice that I would make. How about you? And, you, you know, if you think that donkeys are beasts of burden, you see them, these paintings of donkeys, you know, um, pulling along carts, and they do a lot of hard work. Apparently, they pull heavy loads, and they certainly are quite tough and sturdy. Apparently, donkeys seldom get angry, uh, but out of self-defense, they can pack a pretty strong kick, and they even have a very hard, they can bite you. They have quite a hard bite. However, this apparently really happens because they're docile, and they're not aggressive animals. Has anybody ever called you as stubborn as a donkey? Because actually, they can be quite stubborn. I remember riding donkeys as a child, and amazingly, as I was preparing the sermon, I found a photo of me that my dad took. I was about 11, probably 10, 11 years old, um, of, of me on a donkey. And I remember him taking the photo that day. He said, DJ smiles, you know. We loved riding donkeys as kids. And on that particular day, we were six kids, by the way, and on that particular day, my younger brother David was also riding a donkey, but it wouldn't move. So what he did is he hit the donkey, as, as a teenage boy would do. He hit the donkey. And so what the donkey did is he lifted up his back legs and he bucked him off and he went flying in the air and he hit the ground. And it looked so funny that the rest of us just laughed and laughed and laughed. It was just quite funny on that particular day. But on a positive note, they are, apparently they are stubborn because they are very cautious with noticing danger and while they are performing a task or following orders. Also, the donkey is a marked animal. How many of you know the donkey has a cross on its back? And scientists believe that uh, the cross on a donkey's back is a primitive marking that helped donkeys stay hidden in the wilderness. However, Christian scholars believe that donkeys have a cross on their back because of the fact that, that they carried Jesus into Jerusalem on that Palm Sunday. And I must say that I also believe that. But why is this Christian donkey significant? Well, I, I saw three things here, why this story is so significant. Number one, firstly, church, we see that if God can use a donkey, I mean, come on. If God can use a donkey, he can certainly, this is an ordinary, plain animal, then he can definitely use you. He can definitely use you. And sometimes you might feel like this, this, this donkey, that there's not, very, you know, I don't feel very significant, or I don't feel like there's anything special about me. But you need to realize in those moments that what made that donkey significant was the fact that God chose him, that God called that donkey on that day. And he said to the donkey, 
The Lord has need of you. Won't you say that to the person next to you? The Lord has need of you. 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 9 says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. Look at how God adds value to ordinary people. A holy nation, his own special people. That's what makes you special. That you, why has he called us? That you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So just as a donkey was called by the master to exalt him, so you've been called. You, if you're a believer in Jesus today, you are all these things. You are royal, chosen, holy. You are a royal priesthood. And why, church, why has he chosen you? What it tells us, to proclaim the praises of him who has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. You see, God never called you and I just to sit back and be comfortable. We do have seasons, like I said, on my sabbatical. It was nice to just sit back and relax and be comfortable. But actually, God has not called you and I just to sit back and say, oh, well, you know, I'm happy, I'm saved, I'm on my way to heaven, to hell with the rest of the world. No, God has chosen you so that you will save others, so that you will fulfill your purpose, plan, and destiny. Did you know that you are unique? There's only one of you. Some of you might say, thank God, there's only one of me, but... (laughs) You are unique. You are one of a kind. So embrace that because some, sometimes there's people that only you can reach because of your personality and your gifts and your talents. So I want to challenge you today to make yourself available of use, use for him. You are here. You have a job to do. Secondly, Jesus knew exactly where to locate this donkey and its colt because he says to them, go into the village over there. You know, as soon as you enter it, so it's right by the entrance of the village, you're going to see a donkey tied there with its colt. There were no Google Maps that day. You know, there was no cell phones. There was no uh, location apps on your phone that you can trace the donkey. There was nothing like that. Yet Jesus knew exactly where to find this donkey, the exact location, church. And it wasn't a hope that somehow there might just be a donkey available or, you know, Jesus was tired of walking, so he looked for a donkey. No, he, he knew exactly where this donkey was waiting. In fact, we learn a few verses later that many, many years earlier, the prophet Zechariah had already spoken about this donkey. Let's read that in Zechariah 9 verse 9. He says this, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem, behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding on the don- a, a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. Even talks about the mom, mommy donkey and the, and the baby donkey. So, you know, and, and the, we might think these are coincidences, but we see it much in the word of God where where God puts people in the right place at the right time. I mean, think of King David, David the shepherd boy, though, where he was just taking cheese to his brothers when he saw Goliath mocking God's people. We, see, we hear of the widow that was just out gathering sticks, and God wanted to use her to feed, feed Elijah. And we see the wise men, they just 
saw a star in the sky and God led them with that star right to the birthplace of Jesus. You know, you might think that it's luck that has got you where you are or your hard work or your lack of hard work even that has got you where you are. But let me tell you that the Bible tells us that when we follow the Lord, that he orders our steps. He puts us where we're supposed to be. He, he puts us in places. And, and, you know, so we see that this Christian donkey was strategically placed in a specific village. He was at the right place, in the right place, at the right time. And I want to tell you today, church, God sees you. You are not hidden from his sight. He knows exactly where he, you are. And I want you to believe today that he has put you in your place. Here at New Life Church for such a time as this. It's not by accident that you are here. We have been strategically placed where he wants us to be. And thirdly, we see that even though God had a special destiny for this donkey, there was a problem with this donkey because, again, in verse 2, he says to them, you know, go to the village, see the donkey. He says, but as, you, as soon as you enter it, you will see a donkey tied there with its cart beside it. Untie them, he says, and bring them to me. So this donkey was tied up, church. And Jesus gave, gave his disciples two tasks here, not only to locate the donkey, and but by the way, it was his disciples, that's you and I. We need to locate people. We need to find people that are tied up. He, he gave, gives him two tasks to find the donkey, to locate it, and then to untie it. You see, church, it's not good enough just to know your purpose. But you need to be able to step into your purpose. And some of you can't because you are all tied up with stuff. And I want to challenge you today on that. What is keeping you back? Is there something keeping you back from being what God wants you to be and doing what God wants you to do? And I want to mention the mother donkey here too, as there are two donkeys involved. There's a mother and it's cult. And Jesus tells them, his disciples, to untie, untie both of them. He wanted the, the parent to come with the child to what God had in store for the child. And I just want to say to the parents in the room, sometimes God is calling your child. And he wants you to come alongside your child and help them step into the purpose that God has for them. And, you know, that can look like paying for them to go to Bible school. It can look like when Bonnie was small, she led the worship today. It's my daughter. Um, I saw her musical gift. God, you know, God talks to you about your children if you ask him. I saw her musical gift. God gave me a prophetic word. I need to train her in music. I actually taught her to play guitar, just thought I'd take a bit of that glory today. <laughs> and um, now I'm enjoying it, you know. <laughs> but and, and, you know, also Ryan shared his story two weeks ago as well. And, you know, I knew, I knew that as they were growing up, that God was going to use them in a powerful way. And I'm their mom. And now I'm also a single parent. And and, and, you know, Ryan shared his story two weeks ago about the hell we went through. And, and yes, we went through a lot of hell because, you know, you know what? There's a, we have an enemy as well. We have an enemy out there that wants to throw us off course. 
as parents and wants to throw our children off course as well. And actually, when I went through that situation, that terrible divorce, it, it was really horrible. And I remember that the, the, the devil actually appeared to me once and said, I've got you now. I've got you all tied up and I've got your kids and I'm going to take you down. And, and I remember crying out to God to help me with that. You know, last, last week we, weekend we were at a ladies' camp, and one of the speakers said this. She said, we are gifts to God, to the body of Christ, and to the world. And just because we are doesn't mean we won't go through affliction. In fact, the more you step into what God has for you, the more you will have persecution. Why, she asked us. She said, because the enemy and his forces want to stop you and I from achieving our destiny. Imagine if I hadn't got untied then, church, and I nearly didn't. It took me a long time to recover. It was like the enemy knocked me below my belt, knocked the wind out of me. It took me about five years just to get on my feet after that whole situation. So don't be surprised at the enemy's plan for your life. He will put things there to get you and your family all tied up with hurts, offenses, etc. And so I knew that when we, when we were going through very tough times, hurt, I was going through pain, that I had to deal with the stuff holding me down. Because I knew if I don't get untied, my kids are certainly not going to get untied. I knew I was in a war. And we see that Jesus asked his disciples, as I said, to untie the cult and its parents. And so, church, we want to help you to get untied today. Because you are chosen to. You are valuable. You are precious. You and your family, your children, your grandchildren. And, and to get untied, I asked the Lord to give me, you know, things actually firstly that tie us down. And so he gave me three Ds. And I thought, well, that really goes in with the message because it's Desiree talking about the donkey. <laughs> so I'm going to give you three Ds today of things that tie you down so you can easily remember it. You see, it sticks in with the theme. The first D that holds us back and ties us down is distraction. Now, church, we are living in a world of so many distractions. I heard a preacher say recently, he said, don't let the time you spend on your phone and on your computer rob you of the wonderful future that God has for you. Wow, that really made me think. Now, when I was traveling back from Portugal, I had hours on the plane and I saw this one uh, passenger playing this amazing game. Now, I love word games. I'll be honest. I love word games. I actually do that to relax. Can you believe it? So there was this amazing word game that I picked you know, up on the plane and I played it for hours. And then I thought, well, let me see if there's an app with this game. <laughs> and yes, there was. So I downloaded the app. And when I got home, I was like spending till 2 o'clock in the morning playing this game. I was on holiday, so I could play till 2 o'clock in the morning. But then I realized, no, 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 no. If I get back to work and I'm playing this, I won't get enough sleep. I won't, I won't have my quiet time in the morning because I'm too tired. So you know what I did? I deleted it. I uninstalled it because I knew 
No, this is really going to take me off course. You see, the enemy cannot stop you from fulfilling your destiny. So, you know, if you stay focused on God and on God, what God has for you, he, the, the enemy can do nothing about it. So what he does is he will distract you. He will try and distract you from what God is calling you to be and do. And many things distract us, church. It can be even money problems, family problems, health issues, church politics even. And everything that goes with that can distract you from God's purpose for you. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 to 2 says this, and I'm reading from the Amplified Bible. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, who by faith have testified to the truth of God's absolute faithfulness, stripping off every unnecessary weight and the sin which so easily and cleverly, look at that, entangles us. Let us run with endurance and active persistence the race that is set before us. Looking away, it says in verse 2, from all that will distract us and focusing our eyes on Jesus who is the author and perfecter of faith, the first incentive for our belief, and the one who brings our faith to maturity, who for the joy of accomplishing the goal set before him endured the cross, disregarding the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, revealing his deity, his authority, and the completion of his work. As we remembered at the table this morning, Jesus didn't allow himself to get distracted from God's purpose for him. He, he set the cross before him. He endured it. He knew that he had to do that. That was part of God's destiny for him. How about you? You see, we can't stop distractions from falling in and uh, flying into our lives, but we can't stop them from living there, making their home there. And so let's follow Jesus' example even if it makes us uncomfortable or even if it's not easy to do, let's follow Jesus' example and not allow distractions to take us off course. And the second D that might be tying you down is doubt. You know, and from what I've seen, church, the voice of doubt lives inside each one of us. And if we don't break free from it, it can really cripple us. It can cripple your hope. And without hope, there's no joy. You won't have joy in the Christian life. Now, there's two kinds of doubt that we attack us. There's internal doubt, which I call self-doubt, and then there's external doubt, you know, believing God for, for things out there. And, and you know, self-doubt can make you kind of hold back on God's God dreams that God has for you and settle for less. It can produce a failure of nerve where you don't want to take risks anymore, and so it can stop you from from stepping out into what God has for you. So we need to get untied from doubt. James chapter 1, verses 5 to 7 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, church, with no doubting. For he who doubts, now the Bible actually warns us now of doubt. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. And tied to doubt is a, a sense of unworthiness. Lord, I can't. Have you ever said that? Lord, I'm, I'm not good enough. Or, Lord, I, 
I'm not strong enough to bear the responsibility of this, or I'm not important enough, you know, for this. And, and you see, God wants us, we need to realize that doubt is like a disease, and it consumes everything God has for you because it's rooted in fear. But Jesus came to set you free from all these things holding you back, including doubt. And the third D, so it's distractions, doubt, and the third D is disappointment. And I want to talk uh, more into disappointment because I think this is a big D. You know, there's some of you who were really involved in church once. You were serving God. You were giving fully of your time and your talents, as we heard last week. You were growing in leaps and bounds, and then, and then, church, disappointment hit you. And your whole world came crashing down. Perhaps the disappointment, I don't know what it was for you. Maybe it was the death of a loved one and you felt God didn't answer your prayers the way you thought he should. Or maybe, or maybe it was your circle leader that let you down. Or, or maybe it was a pastor that didn't quite fulfill your expectation of them. Or was it a congregation member, church, that really hurt you, and so you got offended and you withdrew. Or maybe it's something you did. Maybe you fa failed and you fell into sin, and now you are disappointed with yourself. There's self-disappointment too that can hold us back. And maybe people condemned you for that, and so what happened? You became covered in shame and disappointment, and you said things like, I've said in my past, never again. Never again. I'll never get involved in that again. By the way, never say never to God because I said I'd never go back into ministry and here I am. But anyway, um, <laughs> um, but you know, we say that and someone once said that sometimes, and I'm sad to say this, but sometimes the Lord's army is the only army that kills its wounded. But we are disciples of Jesus today, church, so let's allow him to use us to untie those who have failed, fallen into sin, they're repentant, they want to come back, you know, let's assist them, not, not cover them with shame, let's, let's assist them to be healed and restored. Because God wants, is a restorer, and he wants to use us. And you know the reality of it is, if you stay in church long enough, you are prone to become disappointed. You, you are prone to even be disappointed in yourself. Christians will disappoint you. You know, pastors will disappoint you. Um, and many Christians actually opt out of, of organized church because of that very thing. You know, because of disappointment. You, you'll find a lot of people out there that are backslidden. They're not in church anymore. They will tell you the disappointments they went through. This guy let them down or that person hurt them. And so then... And that is actually the wrong way to respond because the enemy wants to tie you up with disappointment. King David prays these words, and he was a man who went through a lot of disappointment. He said this in Psalm 119, verse 116, Give me strength as you promised, he said to the Lord, and I shall live. Don't let me be disappointed in my hope. So I want to say to you today that if you are disappointed, disappointed, will you pray to God also? Will you look to him to heal you from that disappointment? So church, how do we get untied? How do we get untied if we are 
tied up with distraction and doubt and disappointment. Well, I'm also going to give you three ways to get out of time. Firstly, confess those areas to God. Be honest. Say, Lord, I'm, I'm disappointed in this. Um, you know, I'm really, or oh, I'm doubting in this. 1 John 1 verse 9 says, if we say openly that we have done wrong, he's upright and true to his word, giving us forgiveness of sins and making us clean from all evil. So you see, God not only forgives us, but he cleanses us from that. He cleans our slate. He gives us a new start. And really, we, we, we can come to him. And the second way we get untied is to be obedient. The donkey allowed the disciples to untie him. And he went with him. He didn't stubbornly hold back in the process. So will you also be obedient if God is speaking to you? John 14, 21, Jesus said this to his disciples. He said, those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my father will love them and I will love them and reveal myself to each one of them. So church, what is holding you back? Will you obey him today if he's talking to you about things that you maybe need to let go of, that things that are maybe distracting you or, or causing doubt in your life? Won't you move in obedience today to what God is saying to you? And the third way we get untied is to ask God to help us. And sometimes God answers that prayer for help by putting people around us that can assist us and hold us accountable. And you can ask, you can ask God for the faith you need, the strength you need, the courage to respond to his, his call on your life. Ask him to help you to step away from that distraction, doubt, or disappointment. And as you do, you will see God move in a new way in your life. Because let's look at what happened to the donkey when he got untied. I'm reading verses 6 to 11 again, and it says, So the two disciples did as Jesus commanded. They obeyed him. They brought the donkey and the colt to him and threw their garments over the colt, and he sat on it. Most of the crowd spread their garments on the road ahead of him, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Jesus was in the center of the procession, and the people all around him were shouting, praise God for the son of David. Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Praise God in highest heaven. The entire city of Jerusalem was in an uproar as he entered. Who is this, they asked. And the, and the crowd replied, it's Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. So the donkey was brought to Jesus. Jesus sat on the donkey. And now the donkey began to carry Jesus into the city of Jerusalem. You see, that donkey became the carrier, church of the very presence of God into that city. And it caused the city to go into an uproar. In fact, the Amplified Bible, I love the version, it said, it says that all the city became agitated and trembling with excitement. Wow, that donkey certainly caused a stir. And the people saw Jesus. And you know, when I was on my sabbatical, God said, I want to raise up those donkeys that will carry my presence into the city. And I actually saw also a vision of young people, the cults. I heard the Spirit of God say to me, I want to raise up those cults. I want to, they, they, need, to, they need to allow me to, 
to, you know, they, they need to allow my presence. They need to get on time so that they can carry me into the cities, into the streets, and so that the people can see Jesus and praise him. And church, that is what he's called us to be, to do. He wants you to be a carrier of his presence in the city, in this nation, church. He has chosen you for such a time as this. It is time to get untied. It is time. He has chosen you. He has given you value. What is tying you down? We need you to get untied today, church. He's calling you. And so will you confess those areas to God? Will you be obedient and will you ask him for help? And what we're going to do now is we're going to give you an opportunity to do that right now. Because God wants you free. God wants you effective for his kingdom. So we are going to ask the intercessors, the pastors, the leaders to come forward right now. And we are going to open the prayer lines. I'm going to ask you to come forward. We're going to help you. We're going to believe God with you to break those chains that are tying you down. And so that you can rise up and be all he has called you to be. Because church, he has chosen you for such a time as this.